prepare your ears, humans. Happy, sad, confused begins now. Today on Happy, Sad, Confused, Stanley Tucci on his new film Supernova and on cracking the code with a life filled with great movies and great food. Hey guys, I'm Josh Horowitz. Welcome to another edition of Happy, Sad, Confused. Yes, Mr. Stanley Tucci, the main event on today's show, shockingly his first visit to Happy, Sad, Confused. I'm always shocked at the folks that have somehow eluded my grasp. We've been doing this six years, and certainly Stanley Tucci's probably made like eight, ten movies in the last six years, but for whatever reason, it hasn't lined up schedule-wise, and now was a great excuse to catch up with Stanley because he's in an excellent new film opposite his beloved friend, Colin Firth. The film is Supernova. He delivers a stellar performance. Maybe, maybe not in the awards conversation. We'll see how it all pans out, but who cares about that stuff? The important thing is a very fine film and a very fine performance by one of our best, Stanley Tucci, an actor who, whenever he shows up on screen, I know the movie may be great, maybe all right, maybe horrible. He's going to deliver. He always delivers. He's a fantastic, versatile actor, a character actor who can also be a leading man. Um, yeah, I'm somewhat infatuated with Stanley Tucci. Who, who isn't? Come on, guys. And as I alluded to in the, in the opening remarks, he's also crafted a life and career that celebrates just like everything I love. Movies, yes, but he is a connoisseur, a, a lover of great drink and great food, and has parlayed that expertise into his um, into his career. He's got a new CNN travel show in Italy. He's uh, he's mixing drinks on his Instagram account. He suddenly got like this newfound fame thanks to that. I I'm convinced Stanley Tucci has kind of cracked the code, and he he also on the career side just works with great filmmaker after great filmmaker. It's just that you know when you really dive into his career. It's just astounding to look at, and we cover we cover a lot of it in this conversation. We go all the way back to his early work. I mean, I guess the, the film that really made his career or put him on the map for a lot of people was Big Night, the film he co-directed with his friend Campbell Scott. He also, of course, starred in that alongside Tony Shalhoub. We also talk a little bit about the movie that he followed that up with that he uh, directed called The Imposters that you probably have never heard of, but I kind of, uh, I kind of <laughs> go crazy on it within this conversation with Stanley because I had just seen it again for the first time in over 20 years, and uh, it's kind of a delightful, weird farce that um, I do recommend. It's, it's, a, it's a curiosity that, that has eluded many, so check out The Imposters, um, all the way up to and including you know films like Spotlight and, and Captain America, The First Avenger, The Hunger Games films, um, you know, early work and working alongside uh, directors like Alan Pakula you know, in The Terminal, Spielberg. He's just like... Pick a movie out of his filmography, and he always is delivering interesting work. As I said, the new film is called Supernova. It's him and Colin Firth. It's basically a two-hander, and um, it's it's kind of a sad story, but it, it isn't... I wouldn't say it's overly depressing. It's kind of a, a beautiful tale of a long-term couple who is dealing with an illness. Stanley plays a character who has uh, early-onset dementia, Coincidentally, just recently on the on the podcast, I had Viggo Mortensen talking about a film that also deals with dementia. Anthony Hopkins is in a film called The Father that deal, deals with dementia. This is sadly one of those topics that is becoming 
you know, more and, and more prevalent in, in our culture and in, in our lives. So it's not surprising that it's being reflected in our entertainment. Um, so Supernova is the film. It is definitely worth checking out for these two performances and for um, just a kind of a sublime piece of work. So check that out. Um, and I, I just had a blast talking to Stanley Tucci, who is as charming as you could expect. Um, other things to mention. Yes, Stir Crazy, my Comedy Central talk show, uh, continues. Um, this is a fun one, guys. This week, we did an episode with Jamie Dornan. You probably know him best from Fifty Shades of Grey. He's done a lot of other work, including a really different side of Jamie in the new film, Barb and Star Go to Vista Del Mar. Um, I love this movie. <laughs> it's so funny. It's so absurd. It is so silly. It is from Kristen Wiig and Annie Mumolo. Uh, you know Kristen Wiig, of course, but Annie is her kind of co-writing partner at times. They co-wrote, they actually, the last film they wrote together was Bridesmaids, and this is this is their follow-up. Um, super broad, weird, silly comedy that, yes, does have a heart at the center of it. Um, but within five minutes of watching this movie, I was like, oh, I'm in. This is this is taking big swings, and I am just going for it. And I, I laughed a whole lot. And Jamie... Um, yeah, this is kind of a, a, a I, I truly I've never seen the side of him and he he really delivers. He sings, he dances, he makes a fool of himself. Um and that uh all pretty much describes the episode of Stir Crazy actually now that I think of it. Um he was great. So check that out on Comedy Central's YouTube page, on their Facebook page, on my social media Joshua Horowitz. I'll put the link up there. Uh Jamie Dornan on this week's Stir Crazy. Excellent episode. Lots of lots of lots of excellent films, by the way, out this week, guys. Um, just looking at the schedule here. I mentioned Barb and Star. Um, Judas and the Black Messiah is hitting HBO Max. That has Lakeith Stanfield and an amazing performance from Daniel Kaluuya. I would definitely recommend that. Minari is finally, uh, I believe, being released in some theaters, and hopefully it'll be on VOD, etc. soon. Minari is one of the best films of the last year with Stephen Young. Um, I saw it at Sundance a year ago, and it is um, really a really special movie. So put that on your list, Minari, M-I-N-A-R-I. Um, so yeah, lots of good entertainment. We're in the midst of a we the weird awards season, so you'll see some of these films pop up there, like Judas, like Minari. There's no shortage of great entertainment. Hopefully that describes the next 45 minutes as well. This is my conversation with the legend, the man, the myth. It is me and Stanley. Thank you for joining me via the wonders of Zoom technology today for this conversation, Mr. Tucci. Um, yeah, you've evaded my podcast grasp for years, but now I have you where I want you, unless you close the Zoom window, I suppose. I have yeah, you. I don't even know how to do that, so don't worry about it. Okay, perfect. <laughs> um, congrats on the new film. Uh, Supernova is a wonderful piece of work, you and Colin Firth are predictably excellent. Um, and, you know, it's, uh, I, I guess my first, my first thought slash question is like, do you take a certain um, different level of satisfaction having done this for a while when the, the pieces click? Because, you know, you can have good experiences on a set that don't necessarily elicit a great film. You can make a great film that doesn't necessarily elicit a great reaction. Uh, but this one seems to be checking most, if not all of those boxes. So. Is that satisfying for you? It's very satisfying. And like you say, it's very unusual. Yeah. So it's very satisfying. It's very, it's very satisfying, I think, in particular to, to make an independent film that's getting um, 
accolades and and you know garnering a lot of interest uh, because it's very hard to make independent movies and you know, if people pay attention, when people start paying attention to them, it's a good thing for, for future independent films. And, and, you know, in going back into your work, uh, and I've seen much of your work, it's impossible to see every Stanley Tucci film because you've made just too damn many, sir. You make it tough on, on someone like me, uh, even a cinephile like myself. But um, I associate you so much with independent film. I associate you so much with um, the films I grew up watching in right. the late eighties and the nineties. Um, you know, I, I, I took advantage of this, this podcast to go back to some of your early work. I watched uh, the last two nights. I watched two of your, your first two directing efforts. Actually, I watched big night and the imposters. Oh my God. Yes. Um, yeah. um, and big night gets a lot of love deservedly. So, but let me say for the record, I have always been a big fan of the imposters and I think it deserves its due. Absolute madness. But thank you. I I'm thrilled. I'm thrilled. There's something about that movie that I really love and that I really can't bear at the same time. There's, I wish that I hadn't directed it because I had a very sort of dogmatic idea about the way I was going to direct this. And, um, and I stuck to it and it, and I think the movie would have been a much better movie had I, not done that, but well, still, don't be hard on yourself. It is, it is a delight. I mean, I watched. It's probably uh, the first time I've seen it in over twenty years, and it and it, and it held up. Um, for those that don't know, it's you and Oliver Platt, and you basically play a, two two actors slash friends slash. There's some tension there too, but it's all good. Um, and uh, it's a farce, and it's an amazing ensemble. It kind of turns into kind of like a mystery, but I would say the first thirty minutes of that film is as funny as any film I, I can recall it, 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 and my sense is and correct me if I'm wrong is that you poured a lot of your experiences in the business in especially into that kind of first act of the film oh um, absolutely because Oliver and I were friends you know still are friends and a lot of that was just based on stuff that we used to do when we did a play together and uh when we did a movie together and and just stuff that we would do just fooling around it was just sort of all taken to to the extreme um, and it was, it was really, really fun to do. It was hard to do um, because it was, I think I underestimated the scope of it. And I'm the guy who wrote it, you know, so I don't know how that happened. But <laughs> I, I, think that, I think that the, what, what I, I, I love the actors. I think they're incredible. And, and I like the script. It, it was simply the, a lot of the execution that needed work. <laughs> but there's some great gags in there. There's some great moments in there. Um, and then, like I say, the actors are just, I mean, what a group of people. I was so lucky. Oh my, yeah. And yeah, and, and it really does, to me, seem like you're hitting upon some, some uh, essential truths in your business, whether it's um, these two friends kind of like giving each other notes early yeah. in the film, which is probably a faux pas. Is that generally a faux pas? Do you ever give a co-star a note in a scene? Have you ever been given a note in a scene by a co-star? Um, yeah, yeah. You don't do you take, want... do you take it with, <laughs> with a plot well, No, it depends no. on who it is. You know, it depends on who it is. If it's a really good friend, then you're gonna look out for each other. But you also have to be really careful. Right. Nonetheless, if it's somebody you don't know, you really just don't say anything. You know, and what you might do is on the sly go to the director and say, you know, I don't wonder if if there was a take done like this, that it might then 
connect better with the scene that comes after blah, 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 blah. There seems to be an inconsistency of right. behavior here, maybe this, you know, I there think you do that, especially with uh, younger actors sometimes. Right. Although there must be no, no greater sinking feeling if I'm an actor on a set, I see a co-star go over to the director and then I see the director come back over to me. <laughs> but I do it so that you, you, you never know that that has happened. You're too good. You're too sly. Yeah, I, I, I would never. Yeah. Cause I, I, yeah. Yeah. yeah I would <laughs> never. That, that's rude. <laughs> but that film and, and Big Night, my initial point was sort of like, I always associate you with kind of like a collection of actors from that period. And many of them appear in particular in those films, whether it's yeah. Oliver or Buscemi or Hope Davis. Um, did you feel like there was a fraternity of actors you kind of came up with in the business? Absolutely, yeah. We all we all sort of came up together, and and sorry, and I, yeah, you're, you're all starting. Steve and I would run into each other at auditions all the time. We would always go up for similar roles, and then we ended up can't remember how we even became friends through Aiden Quinn, I think, and 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 his wife Lizzie, and then. Um, and then we just, you know, and then you just start, you, then you, once you become friendly, you think, well, how, how can we figure out a way to work together? Because we, right. you know, because we love each other and you, you want to do that and we respect each other. The same with Hope, uh, the same with Oliver Platt, uh, with Aiden, with, um, you know, uh, the, uh, then once I met Alfred Molina on that, we always stayed friends and, you know, like with Colin too, you know, how do you, once you meet these people and you and you're all about the same age and you and you do end up you have very similar experiences kind of coming up yeah it must be so satisfying at like you know at this different stage in your lives than to look at like i mean to a man all these people have succeeded in in different but similar ways sometimes and to sort of yeah. see the, the ups yeah. and downs and you you can relate like no one else can to absolutely and it, you know your your career is always sort of doing you know going up and down and you have times where you're you're doing really well and other times where you know, you're hoping to get a job and, you know, you're struggling. Um, and that, that happens consistently over the years, not just yeah. when you're young, it happens. Um, uh, and so it's, it's always a bit scarier when you're older because you have kids and a mortgage and all that sort of stuff. Right. And, you know, you, I think when you're younger, you know, I, I, I really couldn't be very choosy. Um, I tried to be, but I couldn't be really because I had to make a living. Um, I can be a bit choosier now, but you know, you see people, I, I always want to say when people say, oh, why is that guy doing that? Or why is she in that show? Or why did they make that movie? And you want to go, you know what? You, you have no idea. Yeah. You have no idea why, you know, if you don't like it, don't watch it. If you're upset by their choice, don't watch it. You know, maybe they have somebody in their family who's sick and they need money. Maybe something happened with their financial advisor. Maybe they just want enough money so they can retire and get the fuck out of it. You know, right. it's none of your goddamn business. Well, and not to mention it's the top 1% that gets the luxury of total choice. Um, yes, of course, <laughs> of course. So, you know, you just think I, you know, as it, and a lot of times it's younger actors who will say those things and you're just like, mm, just wait until you have kids. <laughs> that is interesting. <laughs> Whether it's by luck or 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 just going where the work was, even like in the '90s, you know, when you and you were succeeding, you had done a lot on stage. Um, yeah. You had to maybe 
I guess part of the reason, and correct me if I'm wrong, of doing something like Big Night and Imposters was to kind of give yourself some opportunity as an actor, as a lead actor, too, because... Yes, yes. oh, without question, yeah. But also, I, I, I was starting to find acting as... Um, I still enjoyed it, but, but it wasn't satisfying me enough. And also, I had to wait around a lot. I don't like waiting. I yeah. still don't like it. I like it even less now. And uh, directing... Writing, directing gives you the opportunity to control time and space uh, within, a, within certain confines. And that is a really exciting thing. What, what fills the gaps for you now? Because directing and writing, directing especially, it's tough to get a, a film off the ground, yeah, as you yeah. well know. And I'm, and I'm a very particular director. I make small movies and... They're all the same movie, really, in different genres, you know, for the most part. But the, um, and I prefer working on that scale. Um, but in between, when I'm not doing that, uh, I'm, you know, I'll act, you know, in stuff like Harry's movie, uh, you know, Supernova, or a bigger movie to, you know, it's a fun role, good director, you make some money. Um, you know, but I, I'm always sort of writing something or I'm painting or I'm, uh, you know, you're, you're reading stuff to figure out what it is you want to do next. You try not to approach every time you pick up a book, you, you have to get that thought out of your mind. Should this be a movie, you know, and right. or a TV series? You, you can't do that. So, um, but um, I, I recently am writing, uh, uh, I just finished the second draft of a, of a memoir, um, My Life Through Food. So I'm, I'm, you know, cooking and learning about food is a big part of my life too. And then of course I have a family, so that occupies a huge amount of time. You know, I have two little kids. It's not like, you know, I sit around going, gee, what do I do now? You know? <laughs> I know. I, 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 uh, I've avoided responsibility most of my life. And I literally, my wife and I just got a dog and I'm like, oh my God, I don't even know. Like, I mean, I, I thought like raising kids is tough. Like I, yeah. I can't even handle a dog. Like what's. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Why do you have kids and pets? I can't yeah. imagine. I can't imagine. And, then, <laughs> and plants. You know, I mean, forget it. You know. um, we'll, get, we'll, we'll get to the food and drink and supernova uh, soon, I promise. But, oh, let's get into supernova by way of this. Want, yeah. But, um. 2000, round about then, is when the love affair with, with Colin Firth begins. Yes, yes we you had... Looked, um, you looked across a table of Nazis and you said, that's, that's my friend, this is my guy? That is the man for me, is what I said. <laughs> um, he uh, was... It was an incredibly impressive group of actors I was fortunate enough to be with on that show. And it was a... And what, I just loved that whole experience because, it, first of all, it was a really, really important piece of filmmaking, I think. And um, the story is so, uh, it's so horrifying that you can't, you can't believe that it really happened. I mean, because it was so clinical. And this is, this is by, uh, for information's yes, sake, it, this, this is conspiracy. Conspiracy, um, which, is, which tells the story um, of the excuse me, meeting that the Germans had in, I believe it was 1941 at, in Wannsee, which is um, just outside of Berlin, where they decided on the, the, the structure and, um, uh, you know, how to implement the uh, final solution. Right. 
and it's horrifying. And there was an Austrian film that was made uh, prior to ours, uh, which I had seen. But I have to say, I think conspiracy really works incre incredibly well. Um, and it was wonderful because we actually had the premiere at the Holocaust Museum in Washington. Wow. And that was an, an amazing experience, an amazing honor. Yeah, that's, it's, it's a film that I haven't seen, frankly, since it came out, but I want to revisit it. I remember I mean, Kenneth Branagh's in it, directed by yeah. Frank Pearson, who's kind of a legend yeah. in, the, in the industry. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's kind of amazing. Yeah. Um, but I met Colin, we hit it off. You don't know, ever know why you hit it off. His sense of humor, maybe, and, you know, he's incredibly smart. And, uh, and his love of Italy, he was dating his wife then, and... Um, learning Italian and um, we just hit it off and then we stayed friends ever since. So this is essentially a, a two-hander of, of a film. Obviously there's some excellent other supporting performances, but it is essentially about this, uh, this couple that's been together for a while. You play a, a man who is suffering from early onset dementia, a bit of a road trip movie, kind of saying some goodbyes. You know, it's a small intimate story that just feels very profound and real and true. Um, you know, I don't know what your experience has been in, in, in with people that have had to suffer dementia. I, I lost my dad this past year and I, and I, I actually saw a bit in, in the last couple months. So this Thanks, hit me in a different way. Thank you. How old, how old was he? He was 82. Um, and it was related to, he had Parkinson's. So that can often, you know, yeah. elicit those kinds of things. Yes, right. Um, yeah. I mean, I can only imagine the research in this kind of thing and getting into it has, it's not the fun part of the job, but it must have been endlessly fascinating and, and rewarding in it some way. It is fascinating. It's heartbreaking. Um, I have had no experience with anyone uh, uh, who has had Alzheimer's early onset or even, you know, late onset. I, 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 it doesn't seem to run in either side of the family. Um, uh, I, know, I know a friend who ha whose wife, had early onset Alzheimer's, but I didn't really know her. So I never really, I never really saw that. Um, but yes, it's heartbreaking. Harry gave me his, um, Harry McQueen, the director and writer, he gave me all the research into both Colin and, and myself. And, you know, the, the key thing was just watching documentaries, the, the documentaries that Harry suggested. Uh, and, that's kind of all you need sometimes. Yeah. Uh, I read about it, obviously, but but some, all you have to if you you just have to watch the behavior, and then and it's fascinating and it's it, and it's devastating. And and uh, this film really does capture, which is I found true even in my own limited experience, is that um, it's tragic for the person suffering. It's it's in some ways just as tragic, if not more tragic for the person, the caretaker, for the person that's yeah. watching their right. loved one diminish. Um, and that's, I think, why this works and, and, and why each of these uh, performances is fantastic. Uh, you guys, I, I know it's been said a lot, but it's, it bears repeating. You guys switch roles relatively close to production, which doesn't happen very often. No. Um, so presumably you knew Colin's role by the time you were shooting uh, just as well as... You no, 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 I didn't. You know, when you're doing a, a film, depending on, on how it's written, you don't memorize the entire film like a play. You just don't do that. Right. Uh, because things are going to change all the time. I mean, you obviously have a very strong sense of it. 
but unless it's something where there are huge speeches and things like that, it's not necessarily what you do or, or, or need to do. And sometimes you can do a disservice if you do that, because as I said, things are changing constantly. Unlike a get too locked in, sure. Yeah, you don't. Yeah, you don't want to get locked into rhythms. You don't want to get locked into. Um, uh, but um, uh, no, the more I, the, but the more I looked at it, the more I thought something doesn't feel right. I feel like the other role. And then Colin one day he goes, Stan, I think we should switch roles. And I said, Yeah, I was thinking the same thing. We went to Harry, and poor Harry was like, "There's oh, why, why me?" Right. You know, <laughs> you know it, it can't have been easy for him. You know, you got these two guys who are, you know, with combined years in show business that are, you know, like three times as long as Harry's been alive, and you know, and we just said we looked and we think blah blah blah. It, it does, but yeah, I mean, I remember seeing. Um... I think it was a production of True West on Broadway a few years back, and yeah. and it, it was um, I think it was John C. Riley and Phil, Phil, and, Phil, and John, Phil, and Phil Hoffman, John. and they would exchange roles every. Yes, yes. Um, that's common in the theater. Um, it, it's very common in the theater, and if you were to do this as a play, that's what you would do. Right. Um, when I was asked to do uh, art originally in America, and and it was. Um, it was, so the original cast was supposed to be Tony Shalhoub, me, and Fred Molina. And we were all doing the imposters when we were asked to do it. There's the funny bit about it, too. <laughs> and we said, but we want to rotate roles. And they said, no. And so Tony and I said, well, we're not doing it. <laughs> <laughs> you're you're taking then, the fun away. That's the fun. I don't know why. And, and then... Uh, and Fred ended up doing it and was brilliant in it. Uh, but, but it's very common in the theater. Right. Um, you know, with, with, the, with certain plays. But the, um, with, in, the fil in film, it's not. And it's very, it, you know, who goes to your co-star and goes, hey, let's switch roles. The guy goes, yeah, all right. It doesn't happen. <laughs> Only if it's like your best friend and, you, and, you're, like, <laughs> and you're on the same page, you know. Uh, this is the perfect storm that worked. Yeah, yeah. So Harry said, "All right, well, let's just read." So basically, we had to audition for Harry, you know, to play the other roles, and and that was, but it was very obvious that that was the way it was supposed to be. That's probably your first audition in some time. When's the last time you auditioned, Stanley? I have no idea, but I'll tell you if anyone asks me again. No, they 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 won't. Well, if they do, it's weird. <laughs> <laughs> And you know, the thing about auditioning, um, yeah, I don't know what to say if someone were to ask me to audition, but if, <laughs> and I don't like asking people to audition as a director. All I have to do, I can really just look at somebody's work and pretty quickly just, if I don't know them, I mean, pretty quickly go, that, that, that's, that's an actor, or no, that's a terrible actor, <laughs> you know, but, but I, don't, I don't like to do it, but when I have auditioned people, um, I do the complete opposite of what so many directors did when I was auditioning, which is I'm really nice to them. <laughs> and a lot of times you don't get that. You know, uh, you're, you're, you're not passing the karmic evil on. You're not, that's no, good. You're I'm, breaking I'm, the chain. Good for Even you. Even if I know an actor isn't right for a role, instantly, like you can sort of tell they'll do one scene 
And if they're, if, and you go like, no, this person's absolutely wrong for the role or whatever, I'll say, okay, good, let's do the second scene. Right. Because I feel, I feel badly because I know those experiences. I went through that for so many years. And <clears throat> to me, it's best, there's no reason not to be nice to people. You know? What's the one that scarred you for life? What's the one that still haunts your dreams all these years later? There were two of them. One was Brian De Palma, <laughs> who I went in an audition for. And my friend Ellen Lewis cast it. So Ellen cast all of my films when I was making them in America. And or three, there's three of my films. And um, he, Brian De Palma, I auditioned for The Untouchables. Yep. To play like Frank Nietzsche or one of the bad guys. That would be ironic considering you went on to play Frank. I know. I know. <laughs> uh, and he, and I did it, and he just sort of sat there and stared at me. It was weird. It was in a conference room, and he was sitting at a desk, and I was standing sort of next to him. Like, the whole thing was weird. And then I did it, and he went, ooh, scary. And I was like, all right, I don't know how to react to that. And then there was some minor chit chat about nothing. And then I left and I was so depressed. It was just creepy and bad and rude. And then another time it was that one of those like Don Simpson, wasn't that his name? That right. Character? Bruckheimer and Simpson. Sure. Yeah. Didn't he die on a toilet? I think. <laughs> well, he, I think he died sitting on a toilet. We'll get our fact checkers on it. Yeah, please. And I was auditioning for some fucking thing. I don't know. And he sat, the director, the director was pretty nice from what I can remember. He sat there and read the New York Post while I was auditioning. Not even the New York Times, the New York Post. Not even the Times. Not even the Times. <laughs> Not even I mean, the If it was the New Yorker, maybe you could, he's engrossed yeah, in an article. Like, oh, all right, what are you reading? What is it, you know, talk of the town? What are you reading, you know? Um, <laughs> he was reading the fucking New York Post and I thought, oh my God, <laughs> Jesus. And it just made you feel so awful. And I vowed that were I ever to direct something that I would never, ever, ever, ever. Oh, call, call out Stanley if he ever, if he ever, ever, ever catch him uh, reading a New York tabloid, but I don't think he'll do it. He's broken the chain. Good for you, sir. <laughs> yeah. you, it's so funny. I mean, your, your career, I mean, yes, it, your career is as varied and fascinating as, as there is out there. Like two different, to like my nieces, you're always Caesar Flickerman, right? To like yeah. my nephew, you're the guy that like made Chris Evans jacked. That's right. <laughs> Congratulations. Thank that's you. really, your, that's really yeah. the claim to fame. Let's be honest. Um, but it must be fascinating, like those kinds of films in particular, I mean, you kind of alluded to this before, you know, seems fun, good money, wait, what's the, you know, what's the downside? Did either of those feel like leaps or just sort of like, yeah, I'm gonna go for both of those kinds of things? Yeah, no, both, I loved the, I loved them both. They were actually two of the best experiences I've ever had. Uh, and I'm not just saying that because you brought it. I mean, they were amazing. I loved doing Captain America and I was so sad that I got killed off. Um, I would do it again. And Chris, you know, remained a friend. Haley Atwell is a great friend of ours. Um, I loved it. I mean, I was directing a play on Broadway when that came to me and I read it and I was like, 
And it said something like, you know, Professor Erskine, seventies or something like that. And I was like, <laughs> Oh no, we're, really? we're there already. What happened? I was like, Jesus, <laughs> this was, <laughs> you know, this was 10 years ago. I was 50 and I was like, Oh my God, do I look that bad? <laughs> but then you think, is this, a, should I be insulted or should I be flattered? So I thought, and I really loved the role. It was a great script. It was a great role. And I was like, I really want to do this. And it was the first job that I had done that where I was going to be away from my family since my wife had passed away. And, and I thought, my God, Captain America. And I loved Captain America when I was a kid growing up. You know, I love the comic books. I still have some of my old comic books. And um, it was just one of the great, and I thought, and then I thought, no, this is a great compliment because I've always been cast older than the age I am. Uh, and now that I am older, <laughs> I'm cast even older, I guess. But no, but now. <laughs> no, it's, it's totally true. I, th I, I think back to your, your older roles, you essentially have been playing like 45 for Since like 30 years. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it's true. It's true. Uh, I, I, it's true. When I did, um, oh, like one of those um, Miami Vices or right. Wise Guy or those TV things. And, you know, I was like in my late 20s and people thought I was like 40, you know. Not that now was, it's, now not, it's on the good I side. Like, I wasn't wizened or anything, but, you know, <laughs> but, you know, anyway. <laughs> um, no, I am not just saying this, honestly. I always, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a true geek, uh, as you can expect from the glasses. Um, and Captain America is, 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 uh, is kind of my, my favorite of the Marvel movies. I think it's oh, such a sweet, uh, Joe Johnson did a great job with it. It's, it's, a, it's a great that guy. He's one of my favorite directors I've ever worked with. Nice. I, I loved working with him because he's, he is so efficient. Um, but he gets it all in, in these kind of amazing shots. If you look at that movie, there's, it's not covered like crazy. It's, I don't know how he does it. You don't have long days. He's like, it's Spielberg in a way. Well, he's a protege of Spielberg, he's a protege, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and you just see that incredible knowledge of cinema, how to move the camera, uh, how to move the actors within a space, how to do so judiciously, how to have people create their own close-ups when to use a close-up, when not to use a close-up, boom, your day is done, have a martini, see you later, see you tomorrow. <laughs> you know, it's like, that's fun. Uh, you alluded to this before, but like you're like the only like MCU character that like has not returned. Like it's like actually yeah. almost annoying. It's like kind of well, a rude situation, Stanley. I'm so angry, you have no idea. Because, you know, I want to, <laughs> I, I want to work with Chris and Haley again. And it seems terribly unfair. Did you at least do, though, I see on the IMDb, I see that, did you do voiceover for what if? Yeah, I did a voiceover thing, yeah. Not enough, though. I can tell from your body language, you're like, come on. Oh, come on, get me in there, give me the, <laughs> the wig and the thing and the German accent again. You should have done that for the VO, just really commit. I know, but yeah, I should have, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I wanna segue into, you mentioned uh, martinis. I wanna segue into cocktails, but first on the food front, one last big night question. Um, the end of the film, the infamous, the, the making the eggs at the end of the film. Are, are you making, what are you making? Are you making scrambled eggs or an omelet? Okay. I was trying to- It's a frittata. 
Okay, good. Italians don't eat scrambled eggs. They eat frittatas. I, I was going to say, because I, one of the very few things I think I'm actually good at making is, is scrambled eggs, and that flew yeah. in the face of my technique, totally. No, no, all that, honestly, all you're doing is you're letting, you're scrambling them up, you're constantly moving them, and then you're letting it sit for a minute, and then you're flipping it, and then it's done. Got it. How you are know, you- It's not as, you? as refined as a French omelet, do you know what I mean, in, yep. its, in its execution. Um, so that's all. Yeah. How are you received at Italian restaurants, whether in the States or, or in Italy? Has, does the big night cred give you Look, some it, kind of dispensation? It, it, yeah. And it's not even Italian, just Italian restaurants. It's like, yeah, it, it was completely life changing. Oh, that's the smartest move you've ever made then to be treated like royalty at restaurants the rest of your life. No, I said to someone once when, when we were doing the, some junk. I can't remember. I said, imagine if I made a movie about sex. Let's <laughs> <laughs> keep it clean, Stanley. We made it this far. Yeah, but you know, I, I, I don't. I, I, it, it was, it was, it was amazing. The, the response, and it still is amazing. And it's, you know, it's allowed me to meet so many people that I admire, um, <clears throat> chefs and cookbook authors and it's been really um it's been really really great and it and it catapulted me into a whole different life you know and and it, it just heightened my interest in in food and yeah. since then i've spent so much time just thinking about food finding out about food going into restaurants writing cookbooks going into into when i go on location finding you know great restaurants. And I don't mean like fancy restaurants. Uh, I mean, just good restaurants and, and finding a place when you're in a city for weeks, months at a time that, that you can, you go, Oh, this is this place that I, there are a few places that you just go to all the time because they make you feel comfortable. Food is good. The people are nice. There's a, a sense of conviviality and, uh, and it's lovely. And, and no, there is no question if I walk into an, into a restaurant everyone goes oh you know suddenly you're like you know Amazing. it's not like yeah you've been in a lot of movies and we know you it's it's that but then it's like they want to impress the guy from big night yeah, yeah. yeah and i go can i go into the kitchen and they go of course you can you have true i'm not you have cracked the code like this is like <laughs> you were describing my best life i grew up you know my parents like were foodies and they took me to restaurants in europe all my my, ch yeah. my childhood and, and my wife and i have carried the tradition like yeah I, I miss people in the pandemic but i really miss going to restaurants no me I, too me too i love it i i really really re and i never grew up going to restaurants because mm -hmm. it wasn't something that my family could afford it just right. wasn't what you did um but now i'm like i'm addicted but i also just love to cook at the same time so yeah no it's exciting i i'm i was being sort of the egotistical describing how but I have to say, it feels, it, it is very, very exciting. You, you also are now a celebrated mixologist. This might be, has surpassed your fame as an actor somehow. That's, and that's saying something. Yeah, you make one cocktail and, you know. Who knew? But you know this as well as I do. It's not just the cocktail. It, it's the vibe. It's everything you brought. Yeah. Paul Feig's yeah. been doing this on Instagram too. He's not... He's not experiencing the Stanley no. Tucci level of... No, I know. And I, uh, he's a good friend of ours. And I am pr promoting him as much as I possibly can. Because he makes this really delicious gin, too. 
Oh, like he has his own brand of gin? He has his own gin, and it's superb. Do you have your own, every, every celebrity now has their own spirit. No. Do you have no, it? That could happen. That could happen at some point. Okay. The next frontier. Yeah. Um, I, I, like many, uh, yeah, if there's a winner of this last uh, diabolical, horrible year. It's, 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 I think, drinking. We've all kind of drunk a little bit more. <laughs> yeah. uh, I took up being kind of an amateur mixologist myself for the first time. I kind Isn't of got the, got the cart, started to do my thing. Um, what are, what are some, what, what are the basics? What, what, I haven't like figured out bitters, for instance, like what do I need in my collection? What's a good kind of like starter? Yeah, I, I'm not, I'm, I, you know, I'll be honest. I'm not the guy to ask because I don't use a lot of bitters. No, okay. I, I don't. And I, and I really, listen, when I was, um, 19, I was a bartender in, in New York city. This is between my, um, my junior, or no, my sophomore and junior year in college. And I stayed, I lived, I lived in my aunt and uncle's house and, uh, in, on the Lower East Side, uh, rather, right around like Waterside. You know the Waterside complex there? Uh-huh, yeah. Um, right on, off of 23rd Street on the East Side. That's where, the, that they had an apartment there. So I lived there and I, and I worked at Alfredo's, the original Grome, which used to be in the Citicorp Center. Now this is 1979 and you could bartend when you were 18, 19 years old. Uh, and I was taught to bartend by these two amazing bartenders. And I really knew how to make everything. Now, of course that was 40 years ago. So I don't remember. <laughs> I, don't remember it. <laughs> I can still, uh, so I don't remember them. So, I used, but I used to know, I would, I would be, I would have been able to tell you what bitters to use and what, but now I can't. So, so is, is it just the basics? Are you doing, I know you do Negronis, like, is it Negronis, yeah. martinis, yeah, no, margaritas? I like I recipes and then sometimes I'll just throw the wine. Oh, that's too sweet. Let me try this with it. Let me, like the one I did for Christmas, the Christmas Cosmo with my um, wife and brother-in-law and sister-in-law. That was really fun. But uh, to me, the, the, a lot of the recipes that I read uh, were too, it was too sweet. I didn't like it. There's something was wrong or the lime juice was weird or something. I didn't like it. So I thought, well, and I just experimented for like a couple hours with all different things. And then I thought, oh, that's it. That's what I want to taste. So that's, that was that, it. That is the trick I find. Cause like, yes, I, I, if, if I'm going to do a cocktail a day, a cocktail or two a day, even if I go that far, you can't be doing like a super sweet drink. Like that's then, then no, we're, we're in what, trouble. And so many drinks I find it's, you know, every other thing is, Quantra or triple sec or yeah, simple or, syrup. Or simple then, syrup, yeah, exactly, yeah. Yeah, and you're doing the simple syrup, so then every drink sort of, they kind of end up tasting a lot of the same. So, you know, I, I and I also prefer to taste the alcohol. Yeah. So you, you bring uh, your wares on most, if not all sets, correct? You do your thing in the trailer. Have you ever been burned? Have you ever thought you were wrapped for the day? You have a couple martinis and then they're like, we need Stanley back. No, 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 no. No, I've never done that. No, thank God. I'm very aware. I'm very we're aware. officially done because Stanley's getting his yeah. drink on. Right, we're ready for that driving sequence. Yeah, no, 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 no. I'm, I said, we're done, right? I'm done? Okay. You know what that means. You know yeah. what, what I'm doing. Yeah. <laughs> um, Supernova is out there to come. Uh, we're going to get a little bit of what if at some point. You've shot something in The King's Man, correct? Are you in uh, Matthew Vaughn's? I did, but, but I, I can't divulge what that is. 
Uh, yes, and uh, I still haven't seen it. I'm very excited to see it. I love the trailers, just like. Matthew, Matthew can be kind of a tough guy, like kind of an interesting character, Matthew Vaughn. Do you get along with him? I got along fine with him. You know, I was there very briefly, so I didn't experience anything but having a great time. Okay. Uh, I'm a, I mean, I love those movies. They are yeah. bizarre and dark and funny and the action stuff is just like, it's extraordinary. Yeah. And it's tough. I mean, as I'm sure like you, I've seen my fair share of action movies. So for me to actually like relish something new and innovative, like I, I'll give it all the props if they can find a way to reinvent action. And yeah, Matthew knows how to do it. Yeah, he's one of those guys that just takes it to a whole nother level. You, you've worked, as we wrap up, you've worked with like so many amazing filmmakers, whether it's early in the career, you know, up through Spielberg and Matthew Vaughn in recent years. Um, are there ones that have gotten away that you think of? Like, for instance, I was looking through the resume. I'm like, where's the Coen Brothers film in here? Wait. Yes, I know. Please call them. I have, no, there's no question. There are so many directors that I would love to work with that I just haven't. <laughs> I always wanted to work with Marty Scorsese. Um, Did you ever I, audition for him? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Uh, and he was always incredibly, he was one of those directors that was the opposite of what I said before. This is a very, this is a gentleman. Um, and so Scorsese, the Coen brothers, um, with, without question, those are just two of my, two of my favorites. And then there were, you know, then of course there are the European directors like Pavel Pavlovsky, uh, unbelievable director. Yeah. Um, or uh, Bertrand Tavernier was just one of my favorite directors. Um, so, yeah, but someday, maybe, I hope. Have you been watching a lot this past year uh, in quarantine? What have you been watching lately? A, a little bit, yeah. It's hard with, the, with little kids. Right. So by the time you're ready to watch something and, you know, you're just like, you're so tired that, you, you know, you can't do it. We, we've been watching some, um, some television uh, stuff which has been you know like we watched unorthodox which i thought was oh, yeah. pretty um really pretty interesting and now we're watching um it's a sin i don't know that it's one. a british it's a british uh show about um the aids epidemic got it and it's really kind of brilliantly done um and uh yeah i watched george clooney's movie a few weeks ago which i thought was great yeah and you know, uh, whatever I can, whatever I can watch on. Uh, as someone that spent a lot of his life in, in New York City, is there anything I can get you from New York that you can't get in London right now? You yeah, miss? you know what I really want? We were just talking about it because when my, we were there, my assistant was there with me a couple of times and she said, you know, those bagels. And I go, I know. Um, she had a, a, a friend of ours had gone back to New York and they sell this stuff that's the everything bagel mix that you can sprinkle on whatever so she yeah. has that that somebody <laughs> brought to her but yes you know where i have lately i've been having these cravings for <clears throat> pastrami sandwiches on rye chicken noodle soup uh latkes and like going to barney greengrass on the upper west side and having the you know, like the, was it the sturgeon with the, with the eggs, with the scrambled eggs? And sure. The, well, yeah, I grew up with the, white, the white fish. I can't remember what it was, but. But yeah, <laughs> a Sunday morning with lox eggs and onions for me was like a special treat. That was like yeah. a big thing. Yeah. Or the H&H yeah, yeah. bagels with 
you know, with um, with cream cheese and and locks and yeah, I'm really that's that kind of stuff is I'm really kind of craving that. I'll I'll get your care package from Barney Greengrass and uh, and Katz's. I'll throw in some babkas in there too for good measure. Please you'll be, you'll be taken care of. Please, a little borscht. <laughs> I can't yeah. go with you there, but you can you can have any borscht that comes my way because I'm not eating it. <laughs> um, congratulations on Supernova, another fantastic piece of work. Everybody should truly uh, check it out. Fine work by you and your friend, Mr. Colin Firth. He's no slouch either. Um, thanks for taking the time out today, sir. Really appreciate Thank it. Thank you so much. It's been really a pleasure. You made this really fun. Thank you so much. And so ends another edition of Happy, Sad, Confused. Remember to review, rate, and subscribe to this show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm a big podcast person. I'm Daisy Ridley, and I definitely wasn't pressured to do this by Josh. <laughs>